Well, good morning, Bell Schultz family. My name is Corey Abney. I serve as the lead pastor here. So good to see you. Those of you here at Brandon and uh, those of you who are tuning in online, I know many of you are traveling or you're tuning in from various places across the country this day after Christmas, and we welcome you. And I just want to say what a privilege it is to be a part of all that God is doing at, at Bell Shoals. Isn't it fun to be a part of what God is doing in the world? I mean, it's just like, it's such a privilege, right? That, that God includes us in what he's doing. And uh, I could not be more excited about all that, that he's doing specifically through the ministry of Bell Shoals. Grateful for my dear friend, Scott Odom and those kind remarks and, and our entire staff team. And really most significantly, um, just, just what God is doing, um, what he's done, what he's doing and what he will do. And again, it's just such a, a blessing and a privilege to be a part of it. And I, I trust you had a wonderful day yesterday in your Christmas celebration. I have to tell you that, that I made a joke in our Christmas Eve services about talking to some of our precious children here in our Bell Shoals family. And, and I had so many kids tell me, I'm getting up tomorrow at six o'clock in the morning. And I was talking about, you know, as parents, like how brutal it is, you know, and these, these kids they run, run and knock on the door and they get you up early and you've been up late, probably wrapping gifts and all the rest. And then I just have to tell you, like, I mean, I've got older kids and, and they slept in yesterday, like good godly children. But... <laughs> But, but I woke up about a quarter to six, which isn't unusual, but like on Christmas day, like I'm thinking, you know, we're gonna get a good sleep in day and all that. And I, I woke up about a quarter to six and I just kind of laid there for a little bit and I look over the clock and sure enough, when I looked at my clock, it said six o'clock. And my first thought was, this is what you get for, for, for making fun of those parents on Christmas Eve. This is the judgment of God on you. And so I laid there and I thought, no, God, no. Okay, that's funny, but no. And I could not go back to sleep. So I got up at six o'clock on Christmas morning and I'm walking around my house and I'm like, I'm sure one of my kids will get up early and I can get everybody up. Now I'm ready to go. And uh, so I just sat there, worked on my message for today. And then at about four o'clock in the afternoon, my kids got up and then uh, we, we had a, a great Christmas together. But uh, I tell you, it's just such a, a blessing, you know, just to have family together this time of year. I know many of you are here today with some loved ones that you cherish. And uh, I do hope you have a wonderful week. Those of you with us online today, wherever you are, um, I hope you're having a great time with your family. We're going to wrap up uh, a series we started back in the first part of December called Songs of Christmas. And, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to wrap up with really one of my favorite Christmas songs because of, of its depth, just, just what the author communicated when he wrote what was originally a poem but now a Christmas song. It's, it's the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's just, it's such a rich song that helps us to contemplate the, the beauty of, of the gospel and, and what God has done for us in Jesus. And it starts with a word that we don't ever use in our vocabulary, that word, hark which is a cool word. It's an old English word that, that means listen or listen up, right? It's like, it's an attention getter. And whenever I think of, of an attention getter and, and like trying to get the attention of a family member, I think of my precious wife who early on in our marriage just um, acclimated me to what hark really means. And, and, and guys, those of you who married, just, I don't know if this, if, if this happens in your vehicle, but like, especially when my wife and I were early in our marriage, like we'd be driving down the road somewhere 
and, and you know, just kind of chilling, driving. And then I would hear, <gasps> and I would slam on the brakes and spin the wheel. And I'd go through 10 lanes of traffic and end up in the median. I'm like, what? Oh, there's a sweet little deer over there. Did you see the little deer over there? It's so sweet. Does that happen to anybody else? Driving, okay, amen, brother. Driving on the road. Oh, no! Burn! You know, like, what? Forgot my makeup pencil back at the car. Back at the house there, Right? I cannot be the only one this happens to, right? Right? I mean, I cannot tell you how many accidents I have barely avoided because my sweet and loving wife has forgotten something, gotten excited about something, like, Corey! Macy's is having 50% off today, right? Or whatever, right? And so, ladies, can I just give you a good word today? I just feel like this is of the Lord. The next time you're riding in the car with your husband and he's focused on 10 and 2 and just minding his own business, and he's probably praying and, and reciting scripture in his mind, okay, and you get excited about something, okay, it's not actually like an emergency that's happening, right? It's just something that you remembered or something that you were reminded. Just when that happened, would you not yell? Would you just not get too Would you just, if you want to get our attention, would you just simply say, hark? Can you do that for us, please? Guys, are you with me on this? Come on. Just, all right. You're, you're scaring us, ladies, okay? We think we're all about to die because you just got a Bed Bath & Beyond coupon, okay? So in the future, if you want to get our attention and you're excited, just say, hark. And we will know you're excited about something that's not about to run into us, okay? Hark, an old English word that means pay attention. An old English word that means, hey, like there's something really, really, really important that we need to pay attention to. This old English word, hark. It, it, it relates, of course, with the songwriter to what the angels were doing the night of Jesus' birth. Uh, we, we, we find that this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it actually comes from Luke chapter 2. And, and so let, let, me, let me walk through a few verses here, uh, Luke 2, 11 to 14, and, and, and we'll get a sense of, of what the hearkening is all about because it's actually about a, a rather profound moment, the night of Jesus' birth that relates to the entire angelic host, which looking through human history is not something that we see happening very often that the entire angelic host is, is voicing something significant together. But that's precisely what we find here in Luke chapter two. Let me pick it up in verse 11, okay? It says the savior, right? This is what the angels are communicating to the shepherds, right? The savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then now here's what's so cool. Here's where we get this Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Suddenly the angel was joined, check this out, by a vast host of others. 
the armies of heaven. Isn't that cool? The angelic host, the armies of heaven together, not just one angel now, a whole host of, of, of angels praising God and crying out together, saying together, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You have the whole angelic host just saying glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is a special night. The entire angelic host crying out together. I mean, it's no wonder these shepherds were overwhelmed because the angels are declaring that something incredibly significant has happened. And we don't see this very often, that the entirety of the angelic host, the armies of heaven, declaring in a visible, audible form on earth, glory to God in the highest. That's an indication that something incredibly special has happened. That's why Charles Wesley, who wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or at least the core of it, started this famous poem and now a Christmas song with the word hark. Pay attention, listen up, focus in, lean in, because something incredible is being communicated. And when you look back at Luke 2, it's exactly what you see. I mean, this is incredible. The angelic host, the armies of heaven crying out glory to God in the highest. <laughs> and so this is unique. And so Charles Wesley, back in the 1700s, leaning into Luke chapter two, wrote what we know as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Charles Wesley. I've got a picture of him as I've had for all of these uh, hymn writers. This is Charles Wesley. <laughs> That's actually what he looked like. I love that he went to his barber and he said, hey, I want, give me, if you could give me like some earmuffs, uh, that would... Uh, Super, that was very, hey, that was very popular back in the day, all right? So this is Charles Wesley. Actually, Charles Wesley is an incredible figure in, in Christianity. I mean, he's an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Check this out. He wrote over 6,000 hymns. Isn't that neat? 6,000. He, he uh, to our knowledge, wrote more hymns than any other man in human history. The only other person to write more hymns than Charles Wesley is the great Fanny Crosby, who wrote over 8,000. And so these are pretty cool people. You know, you take Fanny Crosby, but then Charles Wesley, who wrote more hymns than any other man. And, and um, he was a great theologian. And he wrote hymns because it was his goal to teach sound theology to people who couldn't read, which in his day and time, when the earmuff thing was cool, uh, there were a lot of people who couldn't read. And so he put these hymns together primarily to teach people rich theological content. And so he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing really initially as a poem, a poem that, that he was inspired to write as he heard the sounds of London church bells while walking to church on Christmas. Those bells inspired him to think about an announcement, something significant, and that drew him to Luke 2 in the 
encounter that the shepherds had with the angels. So he wrote the poem, originally a poem that, that became a hymn known as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it first appeared in a book called Hymns and Sacred Poems in 1739. So almost 300 years ago. And, and it was originally entitled, Hark How the Welkin Rings. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Hark how the welkin rings. Well, welkin is an old English word for sky or heavens. And so again, he heard these bells ringing on Christmas day and he, he, he was drawn to Luke 2 in the announcement of the angelic host. And so he originally talked about how the heavens ring, how the, how the angelic announcement of glory to God would have rang through the sky, through the heavens. And so he, he, he gave us an opening line initially of hark how the welkin rings. But then about 20 years later, one of Charles Wesley's students and eventually his colleague, George Whitfield, he took that poem, he adapted it into what we actually have today. And he, he adjusted the poem to hark the herald angels sing, and then he wrote the second line, glory to the newborn king. So you have Charles Wesley with the substance of this song, and then George Whitfield, who, who kind of uh, cleaned it up a little bit, and, and that's what we have today. So we've been singing this literally for over 250 years in terms of the context of the church. A great song filled with meaning that, that helps us to understand the significance of what was happening the moment of Jesus' birth, a, a, a birth so significant that the angelic host came to announce it, came to ascribe glory to God. That's how significant this was. Because if you think about it, the angels had been witness to every incredible act of God. Now, just think about this for a second. The angels were privy to the full glory of God's creative power. The angels were witnesses to all of God's miracles throughout the history of Israel. The angels are more familiar with the universe than we are, right? I mean, they, 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 they have beheld the power and the glory of God since their creation, since God made them. And so they've seen some incredible things, but yet it was in this moment that they were so overwhelmed by what God had done that they visibly and audibly declare glory to God in the highest. When I think about all the angels are privy to, I think of like just, just the universe itself. Do you realize there are at least 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone? 100 billion with a B. Let me break that down for you, okay? The difference between a billion and a million. Because it all seems like a lot to me. <laughs> but but it's, not even, it's not even close. For example, a million seconds ago, if we were to go back in time, a million seconds, you know where we would be? We would be last Tuesday, December 14th. Okay, a million seconds ago was a week ago, Tuesday, December 14th. A billion seconds ago would land you in 1990. The year that the Simpsons TV show first aired. Okay. For, does that help some of you? <laughs> 
So a million seconds ago was last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday, the 14th, a billion seconds ago is 1990, okay? Now think about this. Let me say this one more time and see if your brain starts oozing out of your ears, okay? There are over 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone. The angels have always been privy to this. They've been witnesses and participants in the power and the majesty of God since the dawn of humanity. But yet on this particular occasion, captured for us in Luke chapter two, they are so overwhelmed by what God has done, they declare together glory to God in the highest. Now that ought to give you some perspective on how significant it is that God sent us his son into this world. That's how profound God's love is for you and me. That the angelic host are so overwhelmed by it that they declare together glory to God in the highest. I, I, I almost get to, get the picture in my mind here. I don't think this is right, okay? But I, it's almost like you've got this lead angel speaking to the shepherds, right? And, and like he's breaking it down. Hey, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. Today for you, a savior is born in Bethlehem in the city of David, right? And all the other angels are like there and like they, they wanna get in on this. Like they wanna say, like they're so excited. And finally, like they just, they, they, they just can't keep it anymore. Like glory to God in the highest. And you almost get this lead angel saying, what are you guys doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. We talked about this. I'm gonna be the one that communicates to the shepherds, right? But like, you just almost get the sense, like this announcement is made. And, and then like the whole host of angels are there. Like they just can't contain themselves. They're just so overwhelmed by what God has done that God would come in human flesh into this broken world to fix it. They're overwhelmed by it. And Charles Wesley, in capturing this moment, said, Hark, hey, you better pay attention. This is a really, 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 really big deal that the angels are declaring glory to God. This is a big deal. And so let's break it down. Let me give you a few verses here of this, of this song that we have. Really, initially, this poem that Charles Wesley gave us. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to this newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim that Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ, let me, let me pause here. Remember Christ, right? Christ is not Jesus's last name if you're new to church. If you're new to Christianity, Christ is not Jesus's last name. That is his title. He is the Christ, Jesus who is the Christ, the Messiah, the sovereign one. That's his title. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. I love this, check this out. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, 
Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And then this is my absolute favorite. Just, just get the richness of this, the depth of this, right? Mild he lays his glory by. Mild he lays his glory by. He, he this is what the Apostle Paul said, he emptied himself of his deity by clothing it with humanity. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And you know why the angels are so amazed by this? Do you know why the angels are so, so like enraptured and praise because of this? Because the fact that God would come himself to redeem a broken, sinful people like us is something that they cannot fully understand. You know why? Because when angels in the beginning rebelled against God, there was no redemption available to them. Do you realize for the angelic host, right? If you go back to the, to the very beginning and, and you look at the angelic host that God created, okay, there's, 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 there's one angelic host. And then there's a portion of that angelic host that rebelled against God. They, they, they went along with Satan. They, they went to rebel against God. And, and those angels are, are now the demonic hosts that, that, that abide in the world. But, but those angels who sinned, those angels who rebelled, there's no redemption available for them. You're one and done. And so you've got the angelic host who are faithful to the Lord and they're serving the Lord and they're worshiping the Lord. They're honoring the Lord, right? And, and this angelic host is watching all the events of humanity. And can you just imagine like all, like their perspective on this? Like they're privy to all of the creative power of God. They see his intervening work in our lives and they're watching, frankly, our stupidity play out in real time. Over and over and over again, right? I mean, it's like the Lord says, hey, don't put your hand up there on that stove. And then you got, okay, right? And then we say, oh God, I burned my hand, help me. And God's like, well, I told you not to put your hand up there. Well, I felt like doing it. Well, you shouldn't be doing that. Okay, and God sends a judge or he sends a prophet or he sends a priest, right? Okay, don't do it. And so then, okay, remember, okay, good. So then there's a season of healing. And then sure enough, <laughs> right? This is the broken record of humanity. We are a people. You know what the scripture says? We like sheep have all gone astray. We are compared to the dumbest animal in the history of animals. And here's the angelic host, right? They're sitting up in heaven somewhere. I can just imagine, like, right? They're sipping on a smoothie, like, here they go again. I mean, I can imagine watching my life. You know what I'm saying? I can imagine them watching me on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Did you see that guy? What an idiot. Said, everybody's gonna be up at six o'clock in the morning. Watch this. I'm gonna wake him up. 
right? I mean, can you just imagine the perspective of the angelic host? Like, I mean, just watching us make the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again, knowing they get no grace, they get no forgiveness, they get no second chances, but yet this rebellious, selfish human race who keeps pressing deeper and deeper and deeper into their selfishness, into their stupidity, into their, into their sin and brokenness. What? God actually sends his son to redeem them. They don't get that. But we do. And the apostle Peter highlights this in, in, in his very first letter that we have in the church. Let me, let me just show you what Peter says. This is awesome, right? P- P- Peter says the following word. He says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. These pro- prophets in the Old Testament looking forward, they didn't get to see what you see, right? They anticipated, but they never actually got to see it themselves. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. Check this out. Peter says, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. They knew they were writing about something that would happen after they were long gone. But, but now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And it's, check this out, I love this. And it's also so wonderful, hello, even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. We live in a day and an age where, where we worship a Christ who has come. We're not, it's not like we're just waiting, 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 not fully knowing what it's going to be like. No, no, no. Jesus has come for us. And the prophets looked forward to it and anticipated it. The angels look on it even now in utter amazement, just wondering why God would send his son to redeem us. When that's a redemption they don't get. And I think that's why in Luke 2, you have such a profound moment of the angels crying out, glory to God in the highest. It's a big deal. Something miraculous has happened. Can I say it this way? The greatest moment in the history of the world up to that point just happened. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to those with whom God is pleased. And as as we wrap up this year and we we go to kick off next year, here's the thing. I just want you to know you, you are more loved by God than you can ever imagine. Say, why, why did God send his son for me when he won't do it for the angelic host? I'll tell you why. Because he made you in his image, and that's not how he made them. You are made in God's image. You are made to reflect his glory. You are made to dwell with him as his sons or daughters forever and ever and ever. That's not the purpose of the angelic host. They serve him. They glorify him. They accomplish his will. But you are made to commune with him as sons and daughters for all eternity. You bear his image. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. 
And he loves you so much that he sent his son into this world to die for your sin, to die in your place, to incur his wrath that you and I deserve. And then, and then here's the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. And then Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death and hell and our stupidity. And he secures salvation for all who believe so that we can be seen by the father in the same way that he is. Right, isn't that good news? And that's, that's why the angelic host couldn't withhold their praise any longer. And they said, glory to God in the highest. That's why they broke out in praise. That's why they joined together the armies of heaven to say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill to men for a savior has been born. And that's what we celebrate. That, that's, that's, that's the love and the grace of God right there that he would send his son for you and for me. Give us a redemption no other created being gets so that we can commune with him forever and ever and ever. And so if you're connecting with us today, listen, and you have never asked God to forgive you of your sin, you've never committed to follow him for all of your life. You've never asked him into your life to give you eternal life. May I just urge you to do it today. And if you're a Christ follower already, may I encourage you as we wrap up this year and kick off the next, just to delight in the Lord your God, knowing that he cares for you. He is for you. He loves you. He gave his son for you. Something about which the angels marvel. That's how much he loves you. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we are about here at Bell Shoals. We are a people about this hope, this gospel, this good news. And we're a people who will continue to get this good word to the nations before it's too late. This is the greatest news there ever, there ever was. As Charles Wesley said, I love this, mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's our hope, amen? That's our hope, right? Praise the Lord for that today.